Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Uh, all right. Another eventful weekend. <laughs> Better jump right in here, guys. Welcome to the program. It's a rainy Monday, the remnants of uh, Florence now hitting us here in Pittsburgh. It is uh, September 17th. Um, again, just a quick uh, iteration, same as reiteration. I um, I will not be here tomorrow. You have to have a colonoscopy. Uh, and on Wednesday, I, I will not be here. It is the holiest day of the Jewish year, uh, Yom Kippur. So I got two heavy-duty days ahead of me, <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday. I will be back Thursday. Thursday, the day that the Senate Judiciary Committee has uh, scheduled its vote on uh, Brett Kavanaugh to sit on the Supreme Court of the United States, a seat that comes with a lifetime tenure. That seat was vacated, of course, by uh, Justice Kennedy. Um just some 40, what, I think, four, what, where did I read? 47 days ago. Okay, that seat's been empty for 47 days. And to the breathlessness with which the Republicans um, are saying this has to be voted on, this has to be, he's got to be seated on the court, is, is really um, ludicrously hypocritical, <laughs> of course, given that they had no problem allowing the seat vacated by the death of Antonin Scalia to sit empty for over 400 days. We couldn't allow a lame duck president with about a year left in his presidency to appoint somebody to sit on the court, Merrick Garland, a man who He's never been accused, by the way, of uh, attempted rape. Uh, Merrick Garland was considered uh, such a, I guess, odious and impossible uh, choice by President Obama that uh, Republicans would not even deign to meet him, which is just a courtesy afforded any nominee. But on Thursday, because somebody decided that was the deadline, we have got to vote to give Brett Kavanaugh this seat. Fast, quick. Before potentially the Republicans lose control of the Congress, of course, in the midterm elections, looming the month after next. So, the fact that this woman, I still don't have her name in my head, Christine Blasey Ford, has now uh, gone public. A woman who did not want to go public, who now, because events have forced her to go public to own her story instead of having it written about i fear for what she is about to endure however things have changed so that this morning the president's right-hand woman, Kellyanne Conway, was on Fox News actually saying that this woman needs to be heard. Being respectful of this woman making accusations, which, as are other Democratic, I mean Republican senators in, uh, who are enablers of this president, 
Lindsey Graham last night. Let me get his exact words. I was at friends' houses, a house, and and uh, excitedly they told me that you know, uh, Senator Flake has said he's not comfortable. I'm fine, fine, fine. And not Lindsey Graham has um, has said that quote, if Ms. Ford wishes to provide information to the committee, I would gladly listen to what she has to say and compare that against all other information we have received about Judge Kavanaugh. So here's the thing, as I said to my friend, that is they're, they're lining themselves up to do the right thing by not immediately trashing her, by treating her with respect, given the Me Too movement's uh, sort of wake-up call to most of us. Um, but then my gut tells me they will listen to her <laughs> and they will weigh it with everything else they know about Justice Kavanaugh and, and soon to be Justice Kavanaugh and they'll probably still uh, vote for him. However, for the first time there is a true uh, sliver of hope that uh, Brett Kavanaugh's nomination can be uh, turned away. And it's interesting that everybody is focusing on the two Republican women senators to somehow throw their bodies uh, in, in, in front of this, uh, of this train, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska or Susan Collins of Maine. And I find that very strange. Why would the gender of a senator be the deciding factor in who we are looking to to do the right thing? Why would not any male Republican senator be under the same pressure as Murkowski and Collins? Seriously, because they have suggested they are concerned about uh, women's issues and abortion. Um, I find it incredible. The two senators, if you ask me, who should be getting the most the most uh, pressure are both men. They are Republican men who have been outspoken about their contempt in many ways of President Trump. They are both not running for re-election, Jeff Flake and Bob Corker. They have no reason to worry about an unpopular vote or position. Those are the two guys who have no excuse at all. Do I think for a moment, would I hold out hope that any of the four senators I have mentioned might do the right thing. I, I have very little now. I really do. Very little. They have done nothing to show me that they're anything but talk. They vote with Trump consistently. Consistently. They are conservative Republicans. They, they have an opportunity here to take the Supreme Court for the next three decades Principles? I don't know if they'll hold up to that power grab. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to play out. I don't want to get my hopes up. The woman accuser is extraordinarily credible. And this is good. Um, for 
an accusation that goes back decades uh, in which you would expect it to be he said, she said. She's got, a lo- she's got more uh, backup than that. She has uh, notes taken by a therapist. She apparently did has some other people who contemporaneously she talked to about this incident, this attempted rape. Um, she took a lie detector test, passed with flying colors, by the way, former FBI agent doing it. Um So the he said, she said, I mean, I don't, and, and oh, Kavanaugh, we hear, the minute this accusation came out before Christine uh, Ford was identified, before she was identified, Senator Grassley, Republican, comes forward with this signed petition from 65 women who knew Brett Kavanaugh at the same time, in high school. 65 women all saying, essentially, he didn't rape me. (laughs) Someone on Twitter had uh, put out, yeah, and I'm sure you could find about 100 people who would say, you know, that's right. You can always come up with a whole bunch of people that uh, so-and-so didn't, some serial killer, he didn't kill me. Some serial rapist, he didn't rape me. Think of all the people Jeffrey Dahmer didn't uh, eat. They could all sign a lady, he didn't eat me. And here's the other thing. How did they have these 65 women's signatures ready to go when supposedly Senator Feinstein threw this into the pot just the night before this 11th hour bombshell? The fact that they had, they were ready to counteract it with signatures of 65 women tells you The Republicans had this information, too. They had the information, and they were prepared if the Democrats brought it up. So any of this, the histrionics about timing and last-minute stuff, I think everybody knew this. Feinstein wasn't willing to deal with it because the woman didn't want to come out. And why would that be? Obviously, Anita Hill's experience uh, has come blazing back in our memories. That woman also not wanting to come out. And without the protection of a Me Too movement or even a particularly woke population, male or female. And what she told the country was so unbelievable. Pubic hair on Coke cans, long dong silver. You remember all this stuff? The fact of the matter is it was so outrageous that now, We have to see. It was true. But oh no. The man who sexually harassed her has been sitting on the Supreme Court for a long, long, long time. What? Almost 30 years. And so the Republicans now are trying to railroad through another sexual harasser, uh, you know, attempted rapist. They want him on the court. He can join Clarence. Fine men. And the women who accused both of these men, 
are heroes. They are courageous. They are patriots. But all they did was blow their lives up. Right. I don't know. I feel for this woman. I think we are in for a spectacle of mind-blowing hypocrisy now. Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Corker, uh, Flake, all called for um, Senator Al Franken to s resign. He didn't even touch the woman whose picture, remember? He was pretending to fondle her breasts as she slept. He's gone. We're talking about a lifetime seat on the Supreme Court. What's the rush? We're in for quite a spectacle. I think, obviously, they should meet in, they should hear her in open session. And as with Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas, uh, he then can be uh, rebut in any way he chooses. Um, and I... I mean, there's so many things I want to say about this. I mean, people say, but he was 17 year, a seven, drunk 17-year-old boy. Hormones raging. Yeah. These, th that kind of a defense <laughs> strikes me as alarming. Having known a lot of 17-year-old boys when I was a 17-year-old girl, having been with them at when we were indulging in, uh, yeah, probably um, spirits of some sort or another that we were underage to do, uh, their hormones raging, I have to tell you, <laughs> not all 17-year-old boys attempt rape. They do not. It's a very obvious assault, what she says he did. Someone of good character, even of that age, would not do what he did. Period. His denial means he's lying. Uh, the Democrats think he lied on a number of other occasions during uh, the, the hearings. So we have a potential perjurer here, a guy who uh, attempted rape. And yet the Republicans breathlessly insist that this fine man must be put forward and accede to, accede, ascend to the court. I, uh, it will be a dark day if he is confirmed. It will be a dark day for the court. And just another indication of the total lack of any moral principled grounding of the current iteration of the Republican Party. I think they've got Trump uh, tied up somewhere in a closet because uh, he clearly, I mean, there's no way he wouldn't be tweeting about this, and he is not. They must have, I mean, it, they're sitting on him. 
he I mean, I don't know how long he'll be able to, to do it, but uh, thus far he has constrained himself because he could exacerbate the difficulties here for the Republicans bigly. It's I mean, there's just, it's like a nightmare coming back. You do remember how, like, I keep thinking of Anita Hill facing that, that panel of white men, not a woman up there, not a black person up, just white men. And Joe Biden presiding, not his finest hour. Not his finest hour. And that is when our own late Arlen Specter rose and treated Anita Hill like some lying miscreant, went after her. It was the most brutal pile-on of white male privilege on a black woman that had such a huge audience in a public setting, and I don't think there were a lot of women in America at that time. Well, that's not true. There's always women who side with the men. There were an awful lot of women at that time who realized, again, with a lot of pain, how we didn't count. I had a radio show then. I remember. I it was it was something. And there was a backlash in that a lot of women got more politically active after that and thought we can't have this anymore. Women's voices have got to be heard. They have to be in positions of uh authority. And so on this iteration of the judiciary committee there are four female females on this one all Democrats. And there are people of color, but it is still overwhelmingly white men. And guys, again, I'm sorry. I won't even say it. Senator uh, Patty Murray of uh, Washington State, Democratic woman, was, it was after the Anita Hill uh, savaging that she decided to run for the Senate. So that's, there are people, women in the Congress, some of the older guard that are there as a reaction to what happened. And women, as you know, are already stepping forward um, since Trump, since this uh, grab him by the pussy president got in. And stop and think about that, that a president who's known as a serial sexual assaulter, bragged about it, was heard bragging about it and still elected, that this serial sexual assaulter president can put a man who on the Supreme Court who also is under the cloud of being a potential rapist, this for a seat with lifetime tenure and extraordinary power, this, these two men, Trump nominating Kavanaugh and Kavanaugh being the final vote, that will take women's rights to control their own body back to the 19th century. Two sexual abusers. Women are up to here. Our anger is barely containable. I'm just saying. We have a call. Let's see what happens here. 
Caller, hello? Hello, caller. <laughs> caller? Hello? Nobody there. Well, okay, let it go. I'm not, sorry, whatever. Incredible. Um, Well, I don't know when they're going to, you know, Wednesday, they're not, well, somebody was saying, you know, with Yom Kippur on Wednesday, there'll be uh, enough Jewish uh, staffers and senators uh, not working that day, believe me, that they will not be able to do any hearings or do any activity then either. So you got uh, tomorrow, they're going to try to, what, set up a conference call. That's what they're going to try to do so that... Uh, Christine, uh, whatever her name is, she's not in my head yet. Poor soul, she will be. Uh, for her to, on the phone, Ford, uh, and, and Kavanaugh on the phone, that's not the way it should be done. And there's no rut. If they do it that way, uh, I think they'll be held to pay, too. I don't know. Okay, and um, just want to say this that if you do not think that Republicans are now the, pace, the party of absolute racism, I mean, I'm not saying every Republican's a racist. I am saying it's a party that welcomes, relies on, and panders to white racists, okay? And I don't know if you're aware in all of the news that we have that a Republican governor, about as despicable a human being that hold, is, holds public office now, it would be hard to find. And this is uh, Governor LePage of Maine. Governor LePage of Maine. On Wednesday, I'm just going to do a little timeline for you, okay? On <coughs> Wednesday, <coughs> the governor of Maine said, he was asked about a statement he made um, months ago that in which people freaked out because he said this, we got a heroin problem in this state because guys by the name of like D-Money, Smoothie, Shifty, they come from New York, they come from Connecticut, they sell their heroin, then they go back home. Incidentally, half the time they impregnate young white girls before they leave. So that was the statement he made, I think it was, I don't know, in January or something. He names all these black, you know, black nicknames, says that the heroin there is coming up from New York and Connecticut, I guess, and um, and they drop their heroin and then impregnate little white girls. Anyway, uh, he was asked about that again on Wednesday in some kind of forum and denied again that he was uh, a racist, but said, you know, since then I've been putting a binder. Remember binder? Wasn't there a binder that a binder of women? That was from the Clarence Thomas and Eda Hill thing. I, I'm just sorry, but the word binder coming here today. Wow. Uh, Governor LePage said he's putting a binder together, cataloging the drug arrests in his state of Maine. And here's what he said on Wednesday. 90, <coughs> 90 plus percent <coughs> of the pictures of the drug arrests in my book 90 plus percent are black and Hispanic people. Asked by reporters, could they please see that binder? He replied, let me tell you something. Black people come up the highway and they kill Mainers. You ought to look into that. And then he stormed out of the room telling the reporters, you make me sick. Thursday, the next day, 
a reporter tells the governor that some state representative, a Democrat, had called him a racist. The governor picks up the phone, calls the uh, office of the Democrat, doesn't get him, but leaves this abusive, expletive-laden voice message. Um, I'm not going to... Part of, I mean, it's just, it's it's vile. Uh, the ACLU is starting to jump uh, in, saying they filed a Freedom of Information request for this binder <laughs> for records related to the arrests of black and Hispanic people in the state of Maine. Um, Friday. The Portland, Maine newspaper published FBI stats showing that of the 1,211 people who were arrested on charges of drug sales or manufacturing in Maine in 2014, 14% were black or people of color. The rest, the overwhelming majority, were white. And so on Friday, this still is getting a lot of attention in Maine, and the governor said this. He was enormously angry at being called a racist. And he then get, went on to restate his remarks that Maine's drug problem is caused by black people. And this is what he said. When you go to war, if you know the enemy, and the enemy dresses in red, and you dress in blue, then you shoot at the red. You shoot the enemy. You identify the enemy, and the enemy right now, the overwhelming majority of people coming in, are people of color or Hispanics. And essentially, the governor, so on Friday, was saying, you shoot black people coming into Maine, or people of color. This is, um, this is a Republican in good standing. This is a Republican governor. Unbelievable. David writes, Lynn, I love you, but don't forget women elected Trump. We're going to blame women? Uh, a majority of white women voted for Trump over Hillary. That is true. But don't say women elected Trump. <laughs> because it was overwhelmingly white men. 52% of white women voted for Trump. David writes, that's why abortion rights, while important to me, is not the hot-button topic for me that it used to be. Fine, wait till it's taken away. It's going to be plenty hot-button again. If women aren't going to stand up for this right... Why should I? Oh, dear. I always vote for the candidate most likely to defeat the Republican. I loathe Republicans. So my interests align with theirs, but it's no longer an important issue to me. Well, why? Because you're out of the game, Dave? Because you're not impregnating women? Because you don't have daughters who might be in need of uh, potential uh, abortion? or I don't know. Why don't men see that this is a, a human rights issue? And just because they're not personally affected by it. You don't care about, I mean, women. First of all, you wouldn't be here <laughs> without us, right? Women, your mothers, think of your mothers, your sisters, your women friends, your daughters. 
and their bodies are being regulated by men. Their lives regulated by men. And that's not an issue for you. Well, fine. Milton reminds me, Lynn, the binder's full of women comment. Oh, you're kidding. It wasn't Anita Hill. Ah, you're right. The binder's full of women comment was from the first presidential debate between Romney and Obama. Romney stated that he would hire a lot of women for his administration. In fact, he famously said, my staff is compiling binders full of women. That's right. Ah, you're right. Oh, my muddled old head. We have a caller. Let's see what happens this time. Hello. Hi. Oh, you could hear me. Okay. But you, that was you last time, too? Can you, you're awfully low, though. You're awfully low. I would really like someone to tell me if you're hearing him. Um, go ahead. I can hear you a bit. I just wanted to say, any man that does this for abortion rights is an idiot. Because what you do with your body, and I said this the last time I talked to you, is your business, not their fucking business. An old white man ain't going to tell women what to do, ain't going to tell males what to do. Leave that out of it. That pisses me so off when people go, oh, it doesn't affect me. I don't have daughters. I don't have, I don't, you know, I don't screw around. Bullshit. Abortion rights is telling you what to do. It's the whole thing. It, it shouldn't even be on the table. Yeah. It should be, you know, it just irritates me. And then, then you get into birth control and all that bullshit. Well, that's right. These dumb bastards with the religion think they want to tell everybody what to do. And all that aggravates me. Well, what are you going to do? I don't know what you're going to do. Hey, thanks for calling back. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Bye. 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 Oh, dear. Okay. I just want to say this. I've already decided that if there is a full public hearing with Kavanaugh and uh, Christine Ford, um, and it is going to happen, let's say, at 10 a.m. on some day of the week, I'm not going to do the show that day. I'm going to be riveted to my television in real time. I will not do the show. And I don't think anyone who would listen to me would be listening either. I mean, I think we're all, I hope you agree with me, but I am that if it, okay, the caller was barely audible. All right. Um, okay, a little, little levity. Thank you all for telling me. No, it's as bad as it was last time. Um, a little levity. This is a courtesy of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Domino's Pizza uh, is in Russia. They have outlets there. And uh, they decided to run a uh, promotion in which they told Russians on Facebook that they were announcing this pro promotion, which said, which was called Domino's Forever. And what they told the Russians was uh, all they had to do was get a tattoo of the Domino's uh, logo on their body somewhere and uh, and then take a picture of it and then share it on social media with a hashtag Domino, Domino's Forever. And uh, Domino's would then send them a certificate that gave them 100 pizzas a year free for 100 years. 100 pizzas a year for 100 years. And Domino's was thinking, maybe a few people will do this. Unfortunately, in the first day, I mean, tattoo parlors were overrun with uh, Russians wanting uh, Domino's tattoos. Um, so they announced this on August 
first. On September 3rd, just a few days later, as these photos start of domino tattoos start piling up all over um, social media, the company Domino said, uh, okay, uh, we're, we're tightening the rules here. This is going to uh, be the first 350 people uh, to post photos of their tattoos, uh, which must be at least two centimeters in size. They start saying, it's gotta, they got to be bigger. You got to do it right now. And these are, by the way, medium-sized pizzas. And then... That didn't work. So the next morning, the company, Domino's, posts this huge picture of a large stop sign (laughs) saying, the promotion has ended. Stop, stop, it has ended. So what happened is they were deluged. I I don't think hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, much more than they ever expected. And now they're on the hook for giving each one of those people 100 free pizzas for the rest of their lives. Um, so, and one one Russian was, uh, said, uh, you know, they, they don't understand that Russians, <laughs> Russians, we have been conditioned to pounce on food if it becomes uh, available. Uh, and Russians, who doesn't want free food? All the Russians are saying. Hey, um, have you all been uh, taking your aspirin a day? Did you see this? I just have to pass it on in case you hadn't because this kind of stuff makes me crazy. I know a lot of people, even I did that for a while. I took a baby aspirin a day because that was supposed to be the magic thing. You'd never die of a heart attack. It would keep your blood thin. Even if you're having a heart attack, take a baby aspirin. Baby aspirin, who knew? No less than the results of three separate studies were published in the New England Journal of Medicine yesterday. And uh, not only does the research, for some reason, now show that aspirin doesn't do shit, okay, for older people, um, but it could come with, actually, risks of its own. Here's what they're saying. Taking aspirin does not lower the risk of a healthy, older person's uh, risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, disability, any of that stuff. And it increased the risk of significant bleeding in the digestive tract and the brain, requiring transfusions or admission to the hospital. Okay, then they have the nerve, after scaring the bejesus out of all the people who I know are taking an ass baby aspirin a day, um uh, that um if you're taking a baby aspirin don't stop without consulting your doctor well i mean i don't know i don't know but they do say if you're a healthy older person don't start taking aspirin and those who already have been using it regularly should not quit based on these findings you must talk to your doctor. Well, also, if you're somebody who's had a stroke, had a heart attack, I guess that, you know, that's a different thing that, you know, aspirin does keep your blood thinner. I don't know. I am so sick of being jerked around, you know. Take an aspirin. Don't take an aspirin. Yeah, take vitamin D. Don't take vitamin D. Calcium. You gotta, don't take calcium. I am so sick of it. Leave us alone. (sighs) Little Tony says Domino's is so dumb. Yeah, and they also make crappy pizza. Let's just put that on the table, too. So, one of the things that the New York Times has been doing this year, which I appreciate, is um, 
they finally somewhat came to terms with the fact that it was a rarity for a woman to get an obituary in the New York Times because women's lives don't matter. And over their history, very few women, and right up until the present, I mean, the overwhelming majority of people who get a New York Times obit are men, white men. The New York Times has been really struggling to correct that. And, and you can see it as somebody who loves obituaries and who has been reading the New York Times for 50 years. I appreciate what I now see in the Times. But not just doing that. The time, they're not just doing that. The Times thought they would go back and find women who deserved a New York Times obituary and never received one. And they print those um, with great regularity. And it's like a history to read these obituaries of how women throughout our history how our contributions have just been <laughs> and in this time of me too and brett kavanaugh and here we go again it it just exacerbates the pain and the sorrow i feel for all of these this brilliance that we did not get the benefit of because white men ruled. I often think, don't you? What did we lose because that black Einstein wasn't allowed to get an education, couldn't get a job? What have we lost in the arts, in science, in all aspects? Because black people and brown people and women people were prevented, not allowed. And it continues. Nowhere near what it was, but it's still stubbornly hanging in there. Again, I give you what happened when a black man did rise to be the President of the United States and what the reaction was. The man who spread falsehoods about this black president not even being an American was elected the next president. I should be sharing more of these obits with you. I happen to read today's of a woman we've never heard of. She's been dead for a long time. She died in 1981. She did not get an obituary in the New York Times when there is no doubt she not only deserved it, but if she hadn't been a woman, she would probably have Nobel Prizes, all kinds of, she would be. That's how brilliant. Her name was Ruby Payne Scott. And she helped create an entire field of science called radio astronomy. Her work, this woman who, who never warranted a, any attention, her work led to the discovery of black holes, pulsars, later helped astronauts understand how solar so storms disrupt weather in space and electrical grids on Earth. All of this work that she was doing in the 40s and 50s 
Well, in the 40s, because in the 50s she was shown the door because she married. During World War II, she helped the Allies win the war, and she helped safeguard Australians from a Japanese um, uh, attack. She worked in a laboratory that was a top secret uh, laboratory, and believe me, there weren't any other women doing this. She was so brilliant that the men acknowledged her brilliance and acknowledged that they needed her. And because there was war. So she developed this radar system that would track incoming Japanese fighter planes. And it was different. I don't even understand. They go into all this stuff here. And here's some astronomer uh, saying she understood the hardware, but she, but she also understood the physics which is really not something that people usually have both those skills. And he said no radio astronomer in the 21st century could do something like what she did in the 40s. She became, she allowed them, the Aussies, to distinguish Japanese aircraft from other sources of any radio static like ships and lighthouses she could tell them no those are Japanese planes and they then were able to track Japanese planes far away and at night and during storms which is something they could never do before she graduated with you know high honors the highest this and that and she couldn't find a job because women were not supposed to be physicists. She lucked out in that she got to a guy who so valued her judgment that when she was not there at his research center, he would not make a final decision until he consulted with her. When she got married, she was told she would have to leave. I thought it was when you got pregnant. No, when you got married. She got married in 1944. Women working in government service were expected to resign when they wed. However, the government colleagues with whom she worked considered her so pivotal to anything they were getting accomplished, that they colluded with her to keep her marriage secret. So that for six years she continued to work because the men around her who knew how brilliant she was protected her secret. And then it all blew up in 1950 and she was shown the door. Uh, she would later discover two more types of solar bursts and help create a device called a swept lobe interferometer, which panned the sky dozens of times per second, allowing radio astronomers to identify and zoom in on single wave formations. Her final contribution predicted the whole future of radio astronomy, says this uh, guy who won the Nobel in 1974. But her marriage was uncovered by regulators, and she was told to get out. 1950, she went home. She was forced to resign and forced to give up her pension. She spent the rest of her life in a quiet uh, suburb of Sydney as a wife and a mother and as somebody who was unknown. Her son is quoted in the op-ed as saying, op-ed, the obit, as a child, 
if you asked a question, you know, a classic childhood question like, Mommy, why does the sun come up in the morning? He said, gosh, my mom <laughs> would have a very complicated answer. Ruby Payne Scott, apparently a genius. One of how many non-white men who gave us so much and never got credit, were shown the door, denied pensions. I, guys, it just, I don't know what to say. And now Christine Ford steps forward to be the next woman. We'll see how much things have changed. The White House clearly knows things have changed enough that they are trying to make this look like they will treat her with respect. And I find that fascinating. I find that fascinating. So we'll see how long that lasts. We'll see if they manage to sort of stage something that looks like, yes, we listen to her, but then ultimately they'll figure that, well, you know, 17 years old and um, who knows he absolutely denies it happened and I don't know but there's a shot here there's a little bit of a shot here that we could take down this nominee he does not deserve a seat. And frankly, the Republicans did not deserve to make this appointment. This appointment was Barack Obama's to make. He put forward a man of impeccable character. Somehow managed to get all the way up to that point in his life without any woman saying that he held her down, turned up the music so her screams wouldn't be heard, put his m hand over her mouth. And the only reason he didn't rape her was, she says, that the other guy, his friend who was in the room, actually jumped on him and pulled all of them off the bed, trying to get him off her or whatever he was doing. I'm not sure, but it gave her a chance to escape. She ran, locked herself in a bathroom. And then when she felt the coast was clear, she took off. She ran. And I got to tell you, in the 1980s, a girl suffering that, you didn't say anything. You wouldn't be believed, one. You'd be called a slut, two. What were you doing in that bedroom with those boys? Let's get real here, right? <laughs> anyway, okay, that's all I've got. So, all right, I'll, I'll see you again on Thursday. Unless, <laughs> unless there's a judiciary hearing in full out there in the open on Thursday and then I'm sorry guys I'm staying home and watching it do you blame me well even if you do I don't give a shit we're going to try to get this fixed although I'm starting to give up uh, hope think of me I'll be miserable for the rest of the day and much of tomorrow and actually, for that matter, on Wednesday as well, when uh, it's Yom Kippur. Oh, God almighty, anyway.
I'm sorry. Goodbye. And uh, I hope Thursday. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.